What's going on, man? Welcome back to the basement. I'm Ron, and today we have what is one of my favorite videos we make every week where I go over my top 10 lessons learned, takeaways, and observations from the week that we just saw, and we apply it towards next week. So we're going to look at a lot of the stuff that happened in week 14 and apply it moving forward in terms of what we can gain from these games, from looking at usage towards the fantasy playoffs week 15 and on. So today we have our top 10 lessons learned for week 15 of the fantasy football season. As always, if you enjoy, make sure down below, subscribe, leave a like. Let's go. All right, now first up, we have the CEH versus McKinnon split that we talked about on Saturday morning. It was our Sneaky Starts video. I'll be honest, Sneaky Starts didn't do great. We've now had like two weeks back-to-back -back here where the Sneaky Starts videos weren't great, but you also have to understand, I'm taking players. One of our players this week was Joshua Kelly. These guys are ranked outside of the top 36 at their position. I'm trying my hardest to find guys that you can just sort of dumpster dive for. I came up empty with a lot of them, but at least we called the Clyde Edwards-Alaire versus McKinnon split correctly. I said I preferred McKinnon. McKinnon ended about scoring Clyde Edwards-Alaire, but it was a pretty even split almost down the middle. Now, we had Isaiah Pacheco out for this game. Shout out Jeff Mueller on Twitter here. Um, we don't know. It seems like he, he dodged IR. It's a shoulder injury that was an injury from the same shoulder he had off-season surgery on. Now, he avoided IR. Jeff Mueller comes out and says, while well, it's concerning that this is the same shoulder he had off-season uh, off surgery on, Isaiah Pacheco has a propensity to play through injuries. If truly just a contusion, I won't be surprised if he's back next week. So, Pacheco misses IR. Seems like he's going to back, be back here soon. It wouldn't shock me if he missed Week 15, but he's in the mix of play sooner rather than later. So these are CEH versus McKinnon splits we want to put in the back of our head. It might be relevant in week 15. It might not be relevant in week 15. It kind of comes down to what Clyde or uh, what Pacheco does in terms of his practices early in the week. So Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, be on the lookout for those practice reports. Now when we talk about the actual split itself. This is from the My Fantasy Life Utilization Report tool. And it's really cool in terms of you can compare usage between two players and they can tell you which usage is better for fantasy football. So this is looking at just week 14 here. And you can see Clyde Ridzler had more snaps at 48%. He had more of the rush attempts. But then McKinnon ran more routes. He had more targets. Um, he didn't have an inside the 5 attempt, but he did have a touchdown from like inside the 10 or 15 area. Uh, he had all the two-minute drill snaps, all the one-down and distance snaps. He ended up outscoring him with about 13 PPR points to Clyde Ridzler's 9. Both of them, to be honest with you, if you if you were in like a truly desperate spot and you watched a sneaky start video and you started either of them in RB2, it wouldn't have sunk your team if you got a free 9 to 13 points at RB2. I think you could do a lot worse. Now, in terms of touches, McKinnon actually only had four carries, 19 yards, and a touchdown. He then had three targets, three catches, 18 yards. So that's only seven touches for like under 50 yards. The touchdown kind of bailed him out. Clyde Edwards-Lair had 11 for 39 Neither of them could get anything going on the ground. We're talking like 15 carries for like under 60 yards. Uh, but Clyde had four targets, two catches, 29 yards. So he ends up 15 opportunities to McKinnon, seven opportunities. So it's really tough moving forward. Um, I would almost view it as almost like an even split moving forward where McKinnon's going to get your high value stuff in terms of uh, receiving. And he's in a lot of those red zone and goal line packages, whereas Clyde might be a guy that you can sort of pencil in for 12 to 15 opportunities whenever Pacheco leaves. So my, I, I, we're kind of splitting hairs here and kind of splitting the difference, but my um, guess moving forward would be prefer McKinnon 
in these close games like it was against Buffalo. I want to say Buffalo is a favorite in this game on the road in Kansas City. I could be wrong, but I could have sworn they may be like a 1.5 point favorite or one and a half point favorite. So we'll see. But I would assume any game that's like within a field goal or like really close, I would assume McKinnon. Any game where they're just like, let's say they're at home versus the Chargers. I don't know if that game's happened already, but something like that. I think that's when you go with your Clyde Edwards-Alaire when you're just like at home, heavy favorite, um, going to run the ball a ton. So that's how I see that moving forward. I just kind of wanted to comment on it because it was kind of the hot story heading into the week, and I'm sure you guys sort of wanted to hear what I had to say about that backfield. Now, on the other side of that game, we had Dawson Knox back in the mix. So we had Pacheco out. We had Dawson Knox back in the mix, and his absence has been a big reason for the recent Khalil Shakur and Don Kincaid resurgence, right? Because once you get Dawson Knox out of there, Kincaid can just run all the routes to tight end. And then once you get Dawson Knox out of there, instead of running a lot of 12 personnel, you're running a lot of 11 personnel where Shakur is going to be uh, your slot receiver. And he had the, the big catch versus the Jets. He's shown up here and there as a guy who can flex every so often. Now, when we look at the game log here, this is from PFF, uh, where they chart pretty much everything that happened during the game here. We can see the guy who actually got downgraded wasn't Kincaid. Kincaid still ran 43 of 49 routes, which is beautiful. He had seven targets. That's all fine. It was Shakur. He goes to 32 of 49 routes run. That's not good at all. Only one target. So Kalosha Kerr becomes a guy that you can absolutely drop if you'd like to. I even think, like, if we look at the utilization report, you can see his routes. So it was at 43%. That was the week that Knox got hurt. Then he started hovering around 70 to 80% of the routes. And then this week, he went down to 65%. Now, that's not quite the 43% he was at before the Knox injury, but I think Knox is still working back from his injury. As Knox gets more healthy, I think Shakur route percentage probably drops down to like 50% over the entire season as Knox works back. Now, you know, slight pat on the back for calling McKinnon over CEH, but again, the rest of that Sneaky Starts video was not great. And this is really more of a mental, a mental note than anything, dude. Time and time again, Jerry Judy comes up short in fantasy football. He is somebody that, as a nerd, that likes your expected points and your target per out run stats and all of that. I'm always, it is good process to target receivers who command targets because efficiency isn't sticky year to year, right? Debo is having an absolutely monster year this year in efficiency. Last year, he was like a bottom 10 wide receiver in efficiency. Now we did bet for that efficiency to bounce back, but a lot of the times, we're going after volume with the idea that efficiency can kind of bounce around year to year. Um, that's kind of what we're seeing with Cortland Sun. He wasn't the most efficient last year. He's now efficient this year. But the issue with Jerry Judy is he looks good in these per route metrics where like he's commanding a lot of volume and he kind of popped last year down the stretch where he was like a top 12-ish wide receiver down the stretch. And he's had these stretches, but when you watch him, and again, I'm not a watch the tape guy. You guys know me as a more of a numbers guy here. Jerry Judy just always comes up short. I think he's going to have his weeks. He's going to have his games. But I don't know that Jerry Judy at any point in his career over an entire season will be more than like just a high-end wide receiver three, like fringe wide receiver two guy. And that's not all that impactful in fantasy. Again, he was like, I think that he was like a, a back-end, back-end wide receiver two last year, like wide receiver 24 in points per game. And that's probably where he caps out at. Like, I don't think that he has the top 12 upside we were hoping for preseason we liked him a lot and then he gets hurt in the offseason and then since then we've kind of cooled off but time and time again he just lacks concentration on 50 50 balls he's not making contested catches there's some as well where it's like he's down the field he's wide open he just has to dive for a ball or like make an effort and he's never really doing it it's not it's not like diva-esque but it's just like he doesn't go above and beyond ever 
I don't really think it's a conscious effort on his part or anything crazy. I thought he was an amazing prospect coming out of school. I was very excited for what he could be coming out. But as of right now, he seems like his ceiling is just kind of like wide receiver two uh, in points per game in the NFL. And that's not really the upside we shoot for when we're drafting. Like, he was like a fourth-round pick before the injury in the offseason. I thought, you know, Denver could bounce back. He was clearly the guy ahead of Sutton last year. And he was in terms of targets and all of that. But in terms of skill and talent level, probably about even, to be honest with you. So... Hats off to all the Sutton drafters. He ended up being a massive, massive value. I didn't really pivot either once uh, once Judy got hurt in the offseason. I was just like, I, I don't really need Sutton's. Because to me, Sutton, since like his year two season where he had a year two breakout, he's never really even had like a top 24 finish or flirted with any of that. But he is clearly, um, I would almost compare him to like prime Kenny Galladay, like in a good way. Kenny Galladay went to the Giants was awful. But if people remember, like the real ones remember, uh, on the Detroit Lions, he was amazing. He was scoring touchdowns. He was like a high-efficiency player on a low amount of targets. Sutton's kind of that similar archetype of like ex-wide receiver contested catch guy, not going to catch 110 balls in a year, but can catch, you know, 10-plus touchdowns where he's at 10 touchdowns this year on a like league average at best offense, which is really impressive where like he's making these touchdowns. It's not just a product of being in a good offense. That's all really good. Um, I did want to show this uh, – Tweet from Adam Harditz, or uh, not Adam Harditz, Ian Harditz, that's my bad. Um, but Week 14, Sheesh Player of the Week, Jerry Judy. Look, we had him We had him as our sneaky, uh, a sneaky start in Week 14, and I don't think it was a bad call because look at this, watch this reel. He should have had like 15-plus PPR points, and it's just that it's just Jerry Judy. Now, don't get me wrong, a lot of these aren't the easiest catches in the world, but like, man, just like I think this is the toe drag one where he had he had more than enough space here to toe drag and he just doesn't just complete lack of detail here doesn't get the extra foot down this one I think that it's just again like he finds himself open that, that's the thing he finds himself open he commands the target and then it's just at the catch point I mean that's just I, I, don't get me wrong it's not the prettiest ball of all time there but he drops that one I think this one he drops two down the field that's a contested catch that he just never comes down with it's tough man like it, it has to be served to him on a platter downfield for him to make the catch again. He can get open. He can find the separation. He's a great route runner. He commands targets. Everything that I want in a wide receiver, he has. And then at the catch point, everything that happens after the catch, it's a freaking nightmare. So Jerry Judy, um, I think that he's probably going to have a wide receiver to finish, you know, sometime between now and the rest of his career. But I think that that truly league winning upside isn't really there for a guy like Jerry Judy. I just want to really hammer it home as a guy that has fallen in love with Jerry Judy four stretches during his career um and again i'll own apology to Colin Sutton and i'll own apology to Rashad White here as well while we're at it um Rashad White's a guy I wasn't drafting a ton of I just didn't think this offense was going to be any good this offense is completely I mean they haven't been amazing but they've completely overshot expectations where people thought with Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask whatever combination of those two would play it was just going to be low scoring struggle to sustain drives and they've been you know a league average offense, which we've talked about this a ton, but if you can just find these offenses where uh, they're projected to be the worst in the NFL, and if they just end up being league average, that's a massive, massive win. And that's kind of what it's been for all the Bucks across the board. Chris Godwin's been shaky, but Evans and Rashad White have benefited a ton from this. And you can see, man, just this week, he had, what, 25 for 102 on the ground. That was his biggest thing for me, especially early in the year. Like, you look at some of those game logs, well, he goes for 17 of 39 against Minnesota. He goes for, like, what, 15 of 56 against New Orleans. Now, to be honest, a lot of those matchups aren't the easiest, but still, he didn't have... He didn't have great rushing days 
um, until very recently, where he had 100 yards versus the Colts a couple weeks ago. He then comes out here, has 25 for 102 versus the Falcons, which he struggled versus the Falcons earlier this year, where he had 15 for 34. He comes out, completely redeems himself. He gives you two targets for 33 yards. He gets a touchdown through the air. He's just like, the, the role he has is amazing. I thought he was going to be more of, you know, good role, but RB2 that doesn't move the needle. He's now kind of superseded that, where he's now the RB10 in points per game. And since week seven, he's been on a tear. He's the RB5 in points per game. And the best thing about him is like the pass catching, the, you know, he, he has some juice as well. But the role is just really good, where if we look again at the utilization reports tool and we compare the utilization between him and pretty much like outside of Kyron Williams and McCaffrey, these are like your. RB2 overall candidates would be Kamara, Etienne, Bijan in terms of rest of season rankings. And Rashad White has the best usage of the four of them. Now, I don't know that I'd prefer Rashad White over Etienne, Kamara, and Bijan rest of season, but I just wanted to sort of make a note that his usage in terms of snaps, routes, two-minute drills, short down and distance, like he has, you know, up there with your Kyron Williams of the world, really, really juicy role in terms of where he's being used right now. Now, we've been doing a lot of apologizing. So we're going to take a quick victory lap. Now, I know this isn't really what it's always about. Our uh, Top 10 Lessons Learned video is taking victory laps and taking L's, but kind of just did that for this week. We have Zeke Elliott. All right, this is him next to Rashad White, just for week 14, to be fair. But in week 14, Ezekiel Elliott had the better utilization profile on my fantasy life, 91% of the snaps. Like, this is a rare, rare profile. He had a 30% plus target, so that probably doesn't stick, but 78% of the routes is huge. 96% uh, of the rush attempts, huge. Uh, inside the five attempt, he, he had 0%, but he was a short yardage guy, 100%. Like, he's going to have all of the goal line, almost all of the routes, almost all of the rush attempts. Like, he is going to have that Kyron Williams, Zach Moss type workload, and that's huge. Now, in our waiver wire video last week, I came out and said, you know, this could be a league winner. Now, not because of Zeke Elliott's talent or this offense, but because of what this role could be. Um, shout out Conscious Machine 4138. I appreciate anyone that watches the videos. I'll also say, I'm a little bit lazy when it comes to answering every single comment. I do want to say I read every single comment almost to the point where I really shouldn't. Just a matter of getting around to responding to them because it is tough to, you know, I'm working so much here in terms of like I have this and then I have to work on the waiver wire stuff for tomorrow. A lot going on in season. So it's tough to respond to every comment. I read every single one. Um, so just know that. Um, but this guy, this had 15 replies. It was kind of like, you know, a lot of people disagreed. A lot of people agreed with him. Uh, I love your content 99% of the time, but pump the brakes on Zeke. That offense is historically bad. Play if you have to. Uh, sure. I think I said he could have been a league winner. Now, I said volume is king. Just think he'd be a big help to a lot of zero and hero RB drafters that follow the channel. I think that's what he showed. Again, he's a Zach Moss, Kyron Williams, where he's just a usage guy, but I think that's going to play the rest of the season. The Patriots are kind of surging here. They found a little something in, in Bailey Zappi. Zeke Elliott went off um, on that Thursday night game. And then on top of that, you get not the lightest playoff schedule of all time, but in terms of Points allowed to running backs, they get KC next week, allowing the 17th most. Then they get Denver, allowing the most fantasy points to running backs. And then Buffalo, allowing the 13th most to running backs. So none of those are brutally tough matchups. I would call two of them neutral in Buffalo and KC, and one of them really good in Denver. So that should be a nice stretch for Zeke, where he's going to be an RB2 for you rest of the way, um, where if he scores a touchdown, he could be an RB1-ish type guy. Like It wouldn't shock me if he was this year's Jarek McKinnon, Zeke Elliott. That wouldn't shock me at all. Now, moving on from that, we have our world. <laughs> I, I, I can't find uh, how to get to that screen right now. Um, but in a second here, we're going to have the world famous. Come on now. We're going to have the world. We're leaving all this in, by the way, man. It's week, it's week 14 heading into week 15. Everyone just, just bear with me here. Um, but here we go. 
we have this. We have to sort of zoom in a little bit here. But we have the world-famous rookie-wide receiver report, what you all have been waiting for, sponsored by Underdog Fantasy. Shout out to Underdog Fantasy. Use promo code RON if you are new. They will match your deposit up to $100. And waiting for you if you are a new um, user on Underdog Fantasy is a new customer special. You get a higher or lower on 0.5 total yards for Tua Tugavailola. I might have butchered his name, but you get what I'm saying. Tua, uh, 0.5 total yards higher, and that will get you, you know, just pretty much a freebie on your pick'em slipper. You can go higher or lower on basketball, on NFL. If you have any players on there, they have projections across the board for receiving yards, passing yards, fantasy points, carries, touchdowns, everything you could think of. They have, like, new spicy uh, multipliers for ones that they kind of try and trick you into uh, into taking, but if you sort of play them smartly, you can get an extra multiplier on your uh, slip. On top of that, they have, I think, Pick'em Champions for a few of the states. I think Alabama might be one of them. There's like three states out there doing Pick'em Champions. It's like a new uh, Pick'em that uh, is legal in those states. So if, if you haven't had Pick'em in the past, maybe check now and see if you are available or, you know, if you have it now in Pick'em Champions. You have a lot going on there. Again, promo code wrong, gets you a deposit match up to $100, and you can take advantage of the new customer special as I put it in there nice and easy. Now, when we talk about these rookie wide receivers, these are rookie wide receivers with 180 plus routes sorted by PFF grade, new column percent change of PFF grade week to week. Now, I also a little bit of an asterisk. I added Parker Washington because he had the big Thursday or he had the big Monday night game. And I think he was someone a lot of people were curious about. So I wanted to add him in here for fun. Um, but these are all uh, route percentage participation here. So just, you know, in terms of passing plays, how often you're running a route on those. We want guys who run routes on pass plays because they are in the mix involved, a starter on the offense. Targets per outrun. That's what we kind of talked about with Jerry Judy. This is the aspect of do you command volume? Then we have yards per outrun. Are you efficient on that volume? PFF grade. Are you making big plays? Do you look good on film? Although we've had some people sort of debunk, PFF grade is kind of just an expansion of yards per outrun, but you can see there's some discrepancies here with like Jaden Reed and Dontavion Wicks. I don't know. It's still something I like looking at, especially for rookie wide receivers. And then percent change. It just we took the uh, your old PFF grade from last week, what your PFF grade is now, and what the percentage change was from last week to this week. Now, we're just going to go right down the list here. First, we have Puka Nakua. He had eight targets, five catches, 84 yards. Not like his best game of all time, but he had a lot of guts in this game. He had like no gloves on. He was one of the guys. It was a rain game, but in a rain game with just like tape around his fingers, he makes like this crazy diving catch um, in like a crucial part of the game. He's an absolute gamer. Wasn't his best game of all time, but he's still, again, I mean, these numbers, I can't say it every single week, but 27% target per run, 2.5 yards per run, 84.7 PFF grade. That is about as good as it gets for any rookie wide receiver, not just a, you know, day three pick. Uh, now, after that, you have Tank Dell. He's on IR, right? Brutal injury, really sad injury. Um, I was debating taking him off the rookie wide receiver report, but I might just leave him here just as like a benchmark for others to see. Let me know. If you guys want me to take him off the rookie wide receiver report, I definitely can. Um, other guys we're not going to talk about here. Uh, we have Demario Douglas. Uh, he's out. Was I think it was a concussion, but not sure. He's had a strong start so far. Dontavion Wicks, Jaden Reed, and Hyatt played tonight on Monday Night Football. And then Michael Wilson on by. So our next wide receiver we can talk about is Rashi Rice here. And Rashi Rice, this is huge, fellas. This is the big one for Rashi Rice, where, don't get me wrong, or actually, not even don't get me wrong, he had a great, great game, but the big part of it was his 82% route, uh, route participation here. He's been hovering around 70 the last few weeks. This was his first time 
over 80% of the routes, 82%, a season high. And that's a massive development if that sticks moving forward. If we can get a full-time Rashi Rice, 80% plus of the routes, that's massive. He's now had games of 10, 9, and 10 targets over his last three. Over his last three games, he's the wide receiver 7 with 19.1 points per game. If 80% route participation sticks moving forward, he is a top 24 wide receiver rest of season. So if you have him on your team, uh, I would feel very, very good about that. Now, the next player we'll talk about is Zay Flowers. Uh, Zay Flowers still not really getting respected by PFF grade. His yard per run is still not great, but I just love him as a playmaker. Uh, you know, he has he had the one, I think, in the first game with Mark Andrews out. He had like an end around that went for a touchdown. He's just a playmaker. He's electric with the ball in his hands. He had a touchdown late in this game where Lamar is like improvising and he has a good connection with Lamar. I like Zay Flowers. His yards per run and PFF grade like aren't spectacular, but I'm not really going to ding him for that. I think he's a good player. Uh, he's now had 20 or more PPR points in both of the last two games without Mark Andrews. So that's absolutely massive. Uh, Josh Downs is someone who's been sort of trending down here. Uh, he hasn't been at 10 or more PPR points since week eight. His target's power run is still fine. He's just not all that efficient, but it's tough. I mean, his efficiency is like pretty much like this is the same as Zay Flowers. Um, it's just that he hasn't been all that efficient. He's not involved in the rushing game as much as a guy like Zay Flowers is. He's not really scoring touchdowns, Josh Downs, so it's tough. Um, Michael Pittman also has 11 or more targets in five of his last six games, so it's tough for Josh Downs to get enough of the pie. What the heck? Something. No. All right. I think... I think we're fine. I think we're fine. Everybody just bear, everyone just bear with me. Um, after that, we have Jordan Addison here. Uh, this one's tough. Addison hasn't had a top 24 finish since week nine. Uh, so it's tough to really put him super high in like the rookie wide receiver kind of hierarchy right now, but it's also hard to put him super low. You know, you had Dobbs getting benched in this game. Dobbs before that, you had a bye, and then you had Dobbs throwing four picks. And you've had a lot of targets going to TJ Hawkinson. Now you have Justin Jefferson back in the mix. Like, there's a lot of mouths to feed. There's not a lot of quarterback play to kind of spread the ball around as much as you would like. He's kind of cooled off since the Kirk Cousins injury. I still think he's a good player. I believe in him long term. Uh, but these per route numbers are going to look ugly, especially with the amount of routes that he runs. I think that he might lead all rookie wide receivers in routes run, but I could be wrong. Um, then we have Marvin Mims. Jeez. I mean, Marvin Mims, it's tough. Still has not hit 25 or more receiving yards since week four. The only thing I can cling to um, is from the utilization report. You can see his targets per out run uh, had a really tough stretch from week five through week 10. Then we've been at 12% or better targets per out run since then. So at least he's commanding targets on the routes that he runs, but it's still not amazing, right? When we look at like season long, we're still at 14.1% targets per out run. We're holding some efficiency from early in the year, but man, um, I got nothing for Marvin Mims. I'm hoping that he turns some of it around here, maybe a late season stretch, but it's looking pretty, pretty rough here for the boy. Uh, after that, we have JSN. 79% of the routes here. Um, focal point of this offense, right? 75% or, you know, about three quarters of the routes, but the efficiency just isn't there. He has 1.34 yards per out run. Um, he had seven targets, but that only turned into four catches, 25 yards. So he's having some ADOT, some efficiency sort of concerns here, but... I can give him some slack. He has Drew Lockett QB. He hasn't really been able to find his role alongside Lockett and Metcalf. At least he's commanding targets, right? 19.9% targets per out run. We'll certainly take that. I think that that's enough to hang your hat on and kind of not give him a mulligan for this year, but just, you know, moving forward, I'm still I'm still hopeful with his ability to, to earn targets. But the efficiency and, like, the big playmaking outside of, like, the, I don't know, he had the one one-handed catch and he had the one 
uh, you know, they called it back on the Thursday night game versus the Cowboys, where it was a pretty, uh, a nice looking touchdown, but it just didn't count. I don't know. JSN, we'll see. I think he's still a pretty big question mark here. You know, Parker Washington, the guy that I wanted to talk about, nothing too great for, uh, Parker Washington, but he came out of nowhere on Monday night. He went out there with six catches, 61 yards and a touchdown. Then he comes out this week, runs about 10% less of the routes, just three targets for two catches and 27 yards, but he did score another touchdown. Now, he did fumble in both of these games. His per-out stuff isn't great, and his PFF grade is 61. Not great, but I still don't think that he's someone that should be ignored, and I think he's probably a tier above these like no-name Xavier Gibson, Palmer, Cedric Tillman types. He's at least doing something. Um, and he's only two games into his career. So I wouldn't turn, I wouldn't close the light on, uh, or close the door on Parker Washington just yet. Uh, after that, you have Quentin Johnston, four targets, three catches, 91 yards. He caught a long 57 yard ball, his longest play of the season. So that's good. He ran a lot of routes, right? 2.4% change in his PFF grade. But I mean, man, we're still talking under a yard per out run, 13.8%. Like it's just, it's just bad. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe this is the start of a rebound, but I, I, I really, I really do not know. Um, Trey Palmer and Xavier Gibson running routes, but that's really about it. Similar deal with Cedric Tillman, but Amari Cooper came back, so that's why you have that route percentage dip. And you have John Mingo. John Mingo, again, we like wide receivers that get open, they command targets. That's kind of what Mingo's been. 16.8% target per run is like fine for a rookie wide receiver. The issue is, is that he has some Jerry Judy to him where I think that he commands a lot of targets, but I don't know if he's that good at football, right? Um, like the issue is, he has now had 9 and 10 targets in his last two games. That's amazing for any wide receiver in fantasy, let alone a rookie. But over those two games with 19 targets, he turned it into just 8 catches for 91 yards. 9 targets into 8 catches for 91 yards is brutal. Now, what it comes down to is he's commanding targets. He's not efficient. But is he not efficient because his quarterback's a rookie quarterback and he sucks? Or is because John Mingo sucks? I'd say it's a combination of both, but I think it's probably bad for Mingo that while Bryce Young hasn't been good, Adam Thielen, in like the twilight of his career, has put together stretches of games of being good. We're yet to see John Mingo have anything to write home about in a single box score for fantasy football this year. So we'll see. John Mingo, uh, as you can see, just not very high on him. I don't know. We'll see what happens moving forward. Now, again, this is the entire rookie wide receiver report, and it is brought to you by Underdog. Make sure you check out Underdog Fantasy. Make sure you check out the Tua higher 0.5 total yards line and use promo code RON and they'll match your first deposit up to $100. Now moving on from this, the next player we're going to talk about, our next sort of takeaway we have here is I wanted to talk through uh, Chase Brown, right? Chase Brown was a really fun rookie coming out of school. Uh, we didn't really talk talk about him much for redraft. So I imagine there's a lot of you guys out here that followed us during uh, only the redraft season, didn't really know what we thought about Chase Brown and Dynasty, so I wanted to talk about him. But he's like this day three guy out of Illinois, stayed at school a while. He's like an older rookie, but he does have a lot of juice here. Now, Jared McKinnon's not a Hall of Fame running back, but he's gotten the job done for fantasy, and he's been one of these guys, you know. Of course, I don't want to directly compare him to Devin A. Chan and Keaton Mitchell, but, you know, one of these guys that is smaller in stature but has so much juice that on 15 touches in the high-value areas of the field – he can give you meaningful games. And that's kind of what I see with Chase Brown, where I don't know that he ever comes out here and, you know, is a lead back 20 plus carries, but I think he's someone that can be in the mix and be efficient on his touches here. Um, but he looks almost like a one for one with Jerry McKinnon, where you're a little bit undersized at 5'9", uh, but you are, you know, thick at 209 pounds for that size. 4-4 uh, speed, both of them with 40 inch verticals can jump out the gym. Just your perfect explosive speedster um, short, but like thicker running backs that, you know, can catch passes, can do it all, can, you know, give you chunk plays, 
score touchdowns, catch passes, all of the above. And that's what's exciting about Chase Brown. Now, that speed is not to be scoffed at here. Where we can see NFL Next Gen stats. He put together on that 54-yard reception touchdown this week. That is the second fastest mile-per-hour time tracked in the NFL for the season. Only the third time someone's hit a 22-plus mile-per-hour run. So that's really exciting. He gives me a lot of Keaton Mitchell vibes. I think we can kind of move off of HN and just kind of say Keaton Mitchell has like these smaller but like lots of juice type of backs here and he's eating into this role on the utilization report on my fantasy life sort of ignore the Travion Williams in the middle but you can see Joe Mason goes from 71% of the snaps to 63% and you can see Chase Brown go from 15% of the snaps to 30% he's eating into these snaps rush attempt percentage is still around 25 to 30% but he now is running 30% of the routes gets a 13% target share so he's making himself known in the passing game he's making himself known across the board and I think he can continue to eat into this and if he can just force kind of a 50-50 a 60-40. He's someone you can maybe flex. Again, Keaton Mitchell vibes here. He had 8 for 25 on the ground. He had 3 for 80 and a touchdown through the air. He's going to be somebody that has a really low floor on a weekly basis, right, where he's going to get like 10 to 12 touches, but he is an absolute just like monster um, in terms of efficiency, making big plays, all of that. It just comes down to how much of Mixon's workload they are willing to sort of siphon away to Chase Brown. It'd also help a lot, even though Travion Williams is only out there for 2% of the snaps, if he could just be, you know, 0% and he's just, it's just now a two-man backfield, that'll also go a long way. Now, our eighth takeaway, we spent a lot of these shows talking a lot of trash about Arthur Smith early in the year, and I know that we've kind of had the same takeaway for him the last three weeks of just like, thank you, buddy, for using your players the way that they should be used, but I have to just give him that respect here, where again, we have 45 pass attempts beautiful here right 45 routes run that means about 45 dropbacks and your only guys that had 30 or more uh routes run drake london kyle pitts Bijan. now johnny smith also in there but it's just nice to see Bijan running a lot of routes kyle pitts running a lot of routes drake london running a lot of routes and we look at targets everyone over six targets london kyle pitts johnny smith Bijan. Johnny's going to be in there. He's going to have his games, but at least we're getting everybody involved. Everybody's in the mix. Bijan with 17 opportunities in a game where it wasn't easy against Tampa Bay's rushing uh, defense, right? He had 10 carries, 34 yards, and a touchdown. And he actually, I think, he got out carried by Tyler Algier. No, he got out gained by Tyler Algier, which is fine. You know, in your rare game where Tyler Algier has a better yards per carry than Bijan, Bijan's going to get out carried. But what Bijan's also going to do is give you seven targets in the receiving game. So 10 carries, seven targets. He gets there. 34 yards and a touchdown on the ground, 5 for 54 through the air with a 19.8. That feels like, like this was a bad Bijan game, and he gave you 19.8 PPR points. That's absolutely huge. Now, after that, you have London, 11 for 10, 172, 29.2 PPR points. Absolutely beautiful from Drake London. And then on top of that, Kyle Pitts, six targets, three catches, 57 yards, and a touchdown for him. Everybody gets home. Everybody eats. Beautiful environment. I know the Falcons lost, so... Maybe Arthur Smith like goes back in his lab and creates something else for his offense, but just happy that you know the ball is going to the playmakers in this offense. Uh, just tough loss where Desmond Ritter kind of sold you a little bit. You had a last drive you gave up that I think I want to say it was like over ten plays that the Bucks just sort of dink and dunk down the field. There was like a no call as well um, that I can't remember, but tough loss for the Falcons. But I'm I'm just excited that we were we're not getting sustained weeks in a row of Arthur Smith just like using his guys in an optimal fashion which is all I could ask for like genuinely thank you Arthur Smith as much as much you know as much smack as we've talked on Arthur Smith's name Arthur Smith's name thank you for doing the right thing 
um, and using your best players. Now, we have Odell Beckham. He's low-key back here. OBJ is low-key back. We look here. So this is Odell Beckham's PFF game logs. And you can see he's been over an 80-plus receiving grade his last three games, something he hasn't done all season. And then on top of that, we look here. This is his first year, 2023 being over two yards per out run since 2018. He's having a bit of a resurgence here, and that is really, really exciting. Now, I have a last thing. Yeah, so this is on the utilization report. You can see here, the issue is he's not running a full diet of routes, right? Just 56.99% of the routes this week. He's probably sort of ramping back up. I think he tweaked something in week 12. He came back off of uh, injury off of the bye. If he can get to like 65% plus, it's still not great, but he's been so efficient that you kind of, like, if, if you're not in the best spot, he's really not the worst start of all time right now. Like, I think that he's a, someone you can flex moving forward. Um, as long as Andrews is out and this route percentage continues to climb, he's been a top 40, uh, 24 wide receiver in points per game since week 9 with 13.5 points per game. He's not a full-time wide receiver, but you can see by these game logs, he's had a 28% target per out run or better in four of his last five games. So that's all really good when he's out there he's getting involved and that's really all that matters in an offense like this now our last takeaway here is the bears backfield is an absolute mess um so i just kind of wanted to cover it this is again the utilization reports uh you know their comparison tool deonta foreman had the best utility but it wasn't great you know he only had nine ppr points uh but essentially what i i would say here is deonta foreman's probably the preferred guy moving forward but a guy that's like an RB3, and then I would call Roshan and Khalil Herbert like fringe RB4 type of guys, guys that I wouldn't really even start if I was in a pinch. Like, Deontay Foreman is really your desperation start here. Um, it's tough. Fields in his last three games has had 12, 12, and 18 rush attempts. It just makes it pretty brutal for running back production. He's never really passing to running backs. If we look at the game log here, Deontay Foreman's the only one that got targeted in the passing game with three targets for two catches, 22 yards. Deontay Foreman also the only other running back with over 10 carries. So this usage sticks. Foreman is a tough start at uh, RB, and then everything else I'm probably shying away from, which is tough because Khalil Herbert's had a, a pretty brutal run out this year for anyone that drafted him. Now, that is going to do it for us today. As always, I appreciate you guys for watching. Subscribe if you're new, even though I have to assume if you're watching this late into the year, you're not, you're not new. But if you're new, subscribe. Let me know about it. Um, and as always, I will see you guys in the next one.